Oprah Winfrey said, only make decisions that support your self-image, self-esteem, and self-worth. Hello and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listeners, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hello, Akin. How you doing today? Hey, <laughs> I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Shall we introduce our special guest before we even introduce the paper? Because I'm all excited about Terrence being on the show. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> let's let's rock it let's rock it <laughs> all right terrence you um do a lot of really interesting things you're a writer you have a pretty big following in terms of uh, business impact and kind of getting your footprint out there you want to say a couple of things about what you like doing best hey guys look i'm, I'm super excited to be on your show and uh actually i want to share a quote as well and um, only Ooh. dead fish only dead fish go with the flow Hey, I I don't even know. I'm not sure who that is, but I love that quote. Only dead fish go with the flow. I think that will help frame our chat today. Absolutely. Uh, But Dan, to come back to your question, I think, you know, brief fast facts. Um, So entrepreneur mentor in residence at uh, MIT. I write and speak about disruption all around the world. And that seems to be a big theme at the moment. And uh, number three is I love to do these sorts of, these sorts of conversations where we harness serendipity. Yes. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. And I think it's a really good paper for you to help us with. Kind of like bring some reason to our crazy ways because it's a paper Mm. about how leaders get to be better leaders by thinking about their strengths. And it's Mm. sort of like a positive psychology spin on a brief intervention. In fact, why don't I go ahead and just read out the title here. The title of this um, is Energizing Leaders via Self-Reflection with In-Person Field Experiment. And this is done by um, Claudiana Lanaj, Trevor Falk, and Amir Irez. Mm. And uh, it's a really nice paper in the Journal of Applied Psychology. um, Just came out about a year and a half ago. Before we dive in there, um, Akin, is there anything that you wanted to say about, I don't know, the paper itself or just anything that I might have missed in terms of like giving the shout outs to the paper and the authors? Yeah, Mm. just in terms of the actual paper itself. And this is, I guess, just a, a footnote for the listeners. I would very much hope that if you are not in a leadership position, I would very much hope that this just might light a fire under your backside. And if you are (laughs) in a leadership position, I believe that this is going to help you better manage your your energy, your essence in sense. And sometimes Dan and I get a bit kind of, um, hmm, how can I put this? We can sometimes be a bit airy-fairy, but once we actually start getting into the science of it, you start realizing that, yo, this airy-fairy stuff holds a lot of weight. And and just to, to pass over to, to pass the conch, should I say, to Terrence, was there any initial kind of like uh, initial things that you, you felt or thought about this paper? Look, for me, it um, reminds me of some research coming out of Oxford University by Professor Frances Ashcroft. And, and she's basically done a lot of research on electricity in the human body. Mm-hmm. And this big idea that energy is the spark of life, energy is the spark of leadership, 
And companies need to focus on two things, a cognitive advantage and an energy advantage to thrive in the 21st century. So that's what really resonated with me. And I think the big question to explore is how do we scale energy up and vertically and horizontally, not just in our organizations, but across our schools and our, our societies? Excellent. Thank um, you. That's yeah, actually Terrence really, really knows nice what he's talking about. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, he's, like, he's dropping names, big <laughs> schools. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, this guy actually reads. Like, <laughs> I'm a little nervous about my role. <laughs> so let's, uh, if, I, if, I, if I throw over to, uh, to Dan, so yeah, yes. what, were, what were the researchers What I would love to do is talk just at a high level, what you might call around the theorizing. And I don't want to like yes. unpack it the whole way, but uh, Terrence, that was a really nice transition into some of the thinking that they were doing for us around Mm. leaders. And one of the key things about a leader is they have to internalize that leadership identity. Mm. And if you really want to be good at it, you have to be engaged in the leadership role. You have to bring yourself physically, Mm. intellectually, emotionally, you have to bring yourself into that role to be a a good leader and to sort of really Mm. model that engagement. And one of the key things that they looked at is this concept of depletion. Yes. This idea that leaders sometimes have to put so much of themselves even their lives into their role that they become depleted and therefore are not able to stay as engaged. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this article is they had an intervention and it's the kind of intervention Mm. that Akin and I really enjoy because it's a positive psychology intervention where they essentially had people contemplate who they were at their best Mm. as a leader And then they just took a look to see how it affected their depletion, their work engagement, their impact on followers. So, you know, at the high level, there's a lot more we could say. But at the high level, that's kind of the theory. It resonates with me so much. Um, You know, we've got burnouts, you know, record levels of burnouts across the planet. I think, you know, half the planet is disengaged. Around one billion people have actually mentally quit the job. but haven't told anybody yeah yeah and then i read recently that in paris an employee a worker got fifty thousand euros worth of um compensation for listen to this not burnout bore out <laughs> which is bored yeah so he he managed to secure fifty thousand euros worth um oh, uh, compensation for for the condition of bore out I you can't it. make this up you can't I, make this up. I, I respect that hustle, man. I'm just like, look, peeps, right? There's a lot of money out there. And however you can get your hands on it, <laughs> go grab yours. But I'm this not is bad. I'm just jealous. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. And this also, this is going to start segueing into the actual paper itself, because this mm. idea of what we're going to look at here is what's unique about the leadership position. And as Dan alluded to, as a leader, you're not just responsible for your own energy. You're responsible Mm. for the energy of the individuals that you are leading as well. So this kind of, I'm not even sure whether if we can call this a double-edged sword, but this is kind Mm. of like lighting the candle at both ends. Every day a leader goes to work, they are managing their own resources, but they're also managing the resources of other people as well. And goodness me, that does get tiring very quickly. You're talking about different personalities, different work rates, different motivations, different it's, projects yeah. that are being worked on like this. And this all, a lot of this ends up landing 
on the leaders. So, um, so yeah, if we dive it's, into uh, the slugging, sorry, Terrence, I can hear you yes, uh, eager to, a, to jump in there. Go ahead. Um, I mean, in Japan, there's a saying, karoshi, death at your desk from yes. overwork. And the numbers tell the story, you know, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn survey, global survey, 89, 89% of leaders struggle to focus. Uh, 96% of leaders uh, feel some level of burnout. I mean, I remember I even had a boss myself called The Shadow. You'd be working Ooh. away and all of a sudden you'd feel this cold shiver down your oh spine, heavy breathing like Darth Vader. And then wow. in a very slow uh, uh, staccato, what are you doing, Terrence? Wow. And it was terrifying. Wow. wow. And I think, you know, our listeners can probably re- uh, relate to that, that, uh, you know, the, the sort of rise of the psycho boss and these are energy vampires. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's incredible to me. I mean, the, the, and to think of Darth Vader as a leader was a new thought for me. I, I kind of, I, right? Yeah, because he kind of uses threat and he has like an iron hand, you know. So, um, do we jump into study one? Let's, Let's do jump this. into study one. Okay. One thing I'd say about that, just to kind of preface it, is very clever use of data. What happened was mm. they were running some of these executive education sessions. My guess is University of Florida, but it could have been Maryland. You know, it's probably one of the places one of these authors is being a professor. And they had these, um, you know, whatever classes you might say, 65 leaders in an executive MBA class. And so mm-hmm. I can kind of imagine a situation where they're sitting there anyway, and he's t- t- teaching them. And he's like, hey, for a little, uh, little extra credit, if you fill out these, uh, <laughs> these surveys. <laughs> and so then they got, they got like 70% of these things done. Um, actually, I don't know if you want to jump in and talk about it. the surveys were quite complex. The way that they did these surveys and the way they did this study, it's really a, it's a nice design. Do you, do you want to jump in or do you want me to keep going? I, I'd love to jump in, Dan, but like right at this moment, I just have the thought of a, uh, a business professor at the front of a lecture theatre in their short shorts <laughs> asking, who wants a little bit Sorry, of extra me. credit? <laughs> so they, they really wanted to, they wanted to really get into, into the minds. And as the social psychologists are very great at, it is kind of really getting into the mind of individuals but in ways that individuals might not necessarily be aware of. So they were able to gather about 65 of these leaders who were on an an MBA course. And what they did is they broke the research down into three weeks. So this is a study across three weeks. And from what I understand, the first week was to kind of get a bit of like a base rate on these Mm. individuals. So this within, and and Dan, you might be able to like clarify this for myself, because this is every time I read these papers, I'm learning something very new myself. So this Mm. idea, of a within individual like a within person study so this is where you have one individual but you're now able to use that individual both as the control and as the manipulation as well Mm, so from what i understand and this is my loose understanding of it the first week was to get a bit of like a base rate but then weeks two and three, they were able to alternate the questions that the individuals were being asked so that they could compare it against what they were looking for, but also compare it against. So if I give an example, if you're asking someone about their how they feel as a leader in their role, you want to compare that with, let's say, how they feel about their washing machine. So you can kind of get a sense of, is this individual like giving me answers that are, are relevant to what we're looking for? Or do they just, are they just excited about everything? 
everything essentially. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. And and Terence, if I can throw to Terence, yes, as well, yes. Um, so this doesn't turn into the regular episode where it's just Dan <laughs> and Akin shouting at one another. But yeah, Terence, if you'd love to jump in at this point as Look, well, it's it's. Um, I think it generates for me some big uh, catalytic questions. So I think one of the big imperatives for leaders who are listening is not just leaders, but anybody is. What's our ROE, not return on equity, but return on energy? So if that was a metric, a new metric that you could introduce into organizations, I think mm. it could be a really exciting metric. What's our ROE, return on, it, uh, return on energy? And yeah. the second one would be, what's our ROI, not return on investment, return on intelligence? Hey. Uh, and it reminds me of one of Dan's quotes, actually, in one of his books, which is, you know, every day, how alive do you feel at work? And I would say, how energized do you feel at work? And how much return on intelligence have you had at work? I think these are big questions for our listeners to think about. And the paper really, I think, provides some, some great insights into the, the importance of strong identity, unplugging, self-reflection, uh, and these sort of emotionally charged milestones as well. That if you can, you know, don't go it alone, co-create energy. That's excellent. Totally. So yeah, to throw back to you, sorry, yeah, to throw back to yourself, Dan, because there's definitely uh, questions of, energy there and how it is but i guess there's also something that we want to make sure to to highlight and this was the initiative that they took as well so you mentioned at the top dan that this wasn't just moaning about how no one has any any energy but it's also okay so what could we do to better harness that so i'll throw over to yourself dan well this is really nice because what they did is essentially as you mentioned Hacken, took each individual and said we're gonna across the next week I think it might have been two weeks. I'm sorry, it was two weeks. Each day, we're going to give you a writing task, just a little prompt. And um, let's say it was the morning, and this would be Monday to Friday, and they would get this, this thing would roll in the inbox at 6 a.m. And what would happen is they'd say either, this is random assignment, either they would write down like three personal achievements that you're proud of that make you a good leader. And then maybe they'd take 10 minutes and they would just kind of write some stuff in. And then the next day, just randomly, they might get one that's a control condition, which might say something like, please write about three noticeable landmarks that you pass on your way to work. And what's very powerful about this method is not only do you look at the same individual being switched on and thinking about themselves at their best as a leader versus neutral they're not saying, think about yourself as a bad leader. They're just having you reflect on something that's completely unrelated to being a leader. And what's so powerful about this is after 10 days, you get lots of data of the person being switched on that day and switched off that day. And they got like 75% of these people to participate. And in terms of the data, what that means is they had 465 data points for these 65 leaders. It's a really solid way to look at this. And um, Terrence, I, I was going to ask you. Yes. It's somebody that is more of a leader, frankly. I mean, I, I teach it, but I don't do it. You know what I mean? What do you <laughs> yeah. think about this business of like just almost journaling about your leadership strengths and so on? What was your reaction mm. to that when you read it? It's, it? Look, it's something that I've tried to, this kind of sort of deliberate approach to taking pauses, taking strategic pauses in your day. Um, you know, attention spans are under attack. There's no doubt about that. I read recently that the number of selfie-related accidents has gone up exponentially. People falling off cliffs and off staircases. It's a self, you know, so you know, attention, it's the rarest. It's the 
Yeah, it's an epidemic of uh, selfie-related accidents. I Plus, do love, sorry of... to jump in there, Terrence, as well. I just <laughs> find it good. hilarious. Too good. This <laughs> idea of someone, someone falling off a cliff whilst trying to take a selfie, but on the way to their demise, just still snapping away. Just like, I <laughs> just might for the still... perfect, yeah. perfect selfie. <laughs> I know that, so, this, you know, so look, it's this, this, this is the world we live in. Attention spans are under attack. And so this idea of creating a space... Uh, not just for shallow thinking, but for deep thinking, for self-regulation, for deep inquiry and to look at what you've been doing, mapping out your journey and, and really thinking about not just your impact, but perhaps learning from failures as well. Um, I think is a, such an important part of becoming a, a, a better, uh, more empathetic more connected leader and let's face it we need that more than ever i think we're at this inflection point going from the sort of strong assertive leadership to more of a energized empathetic leadership mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. excellent thank you that's really interesting and i also really love like you basically without using the word kind of described as a, a meditative state yeah uh, it's, it's the idea not of meditating and going hmm but more like let me take a little time to meditate on my strengths as a leader so mm-hmm. that I energize myself, so that I can engage myself more as I go into work. And then what mm-hmm. they did is they then measured at the end of the day things like depletion. And these would be items mm-hmm. like, I feel drained right now, or yeah. right now I feel like my willpower is gone. They mm-hmm. measured engagement, which would be items like, today I was totally absorbed in my job. Or today, I strived hard to complete my job. And then they also looked at impact. And it's really important for me to note this part of impact was self-reported. And while they took pains to say that's not a problem, let's be honest, it's kind of a problem. I mean, what you'd really rather have is what the people they were leading felt. But in this case, that's Listen really the followers. hard. Yes. Yeah, the followers. I mean, if you could get the followers to say, how good is my leader today? I'd say the study would be twice as strong, if I'm honest. Yes. But yes. that said, they were able to measure people saying things like, I feel my behaviors at work made a positive difference to my coworkers today. Mm. Or like, I was conscious of my positive impact on my coworkers today. So I think that that's about all I need to say. Um, Akin, they, they had this pretty interesting concept called clout. And I didn't yes. know if like if you either of you guys wanted to say some words about clout. I mean I can describe oh. what it is kind of technically, but I just thought like maybe we could have a laugh at that. We can definitely have a laugh at that because I could I can talk about it culturally and yeah. then Dan you can talk about it um technically and then um Terrence you might be thinking yes. of a specific angle on it which is not going to be covered by either those yes. two things. So culturally as well when I say culturally I'm going to look at the the social media side. So mm-hmm. clout has become a bit of a it's a bit of a how can I put this? The word clout is now used to mock individuals in the sense of this this mm-hmm. idea of clout chasing. So clout chasing means individuals who are trying to get more likes, retweets, and engagement, but they're trying to do it without actually putting the work in. Mm. So they're trying to jump on top of already existing trends, jump on top of those. And this can kind of be in line with this idea of like virtue signaling as well, where Mm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to signal the virtue, but not actually do the virtuous thing. So for example, it's a lot easier to 
throw in a hashtag like LGBT or throw in a hashtag like Me Too or throw in a hashtag like Black Lives Matter, that's much easier than actually creating initiatives that help any of those groups. And so Mm -hmm. with clout, real clout is the ability to speak authentically and originally with content, with Mm -hmm. substance. And clout chasing is this idea of, retweeting something or remixing an already existing Mm -hmm. idea but the real weight of clout culturally means that if i say something it matters at the top of this podcast dan used a uh, a quote from oprah oprah winfrey mm. I, do i even need to say her surname she's the only oprah it's like she's madonna right like she's oprah. it's like <laughs> totally if you talk about madonna it's like you know it. i don't even know what madonna's surname is you know who i'm talking about but we uh, dan used a quote from oprah because oprah has clout like oprah mm. says something and it matters so i can toss this now over to, to dan if you want to hear a bit more mm. what was your yes. thought about that notion of leadership clout and like you can talk about it at a, at a top level but even if you mm. connected it a little to like how they defined it in the article did you buy it did you like the construct like what did you think of that for me, it comes back to this idea of, of return on energy and I think this idea of scaling return on energy mm-hmm. in three ways. So I call it triple energy. And this is one of the ideas that the, uh, the paper generated, which is inner, inner energy. So managing, um, uh, replenishing your inner energy as a leader and, and then outer energy which is um, you know, outside of your business, perhaps your organization, and then other energy, which would be um, you know, your teams and your followers. So I think there's a sort of triple energy imperative there. Yeah, and yeah. The, the key message for, our, for the listeners is really, you know, what, what is your strategy for uh, replenishing trip, you know, those three, three um, you know, sources of energy on a daily yep. basis? Yep. And in the context of the way these researchers measured it, that's why I want to, you know, because what it means to us in kind of real life, quote unquote, is sometimes different from the way they run at it and gather the data. So here's what they did. In terms of Mm. defining it, they said clout refers to the influence that leaders feel they have exerted at work. And then in terms of how they actually did that, they had these people write, right? They talked, they wrote about their best traits and their best skills and their best strengths at work. And then what they did is they used this L-I-W-C, it's called Luke, and it's a linguistic coding um, approach to getting data out of what people write. And in this case, mm. this they used this software to analyze the degree to which leaders expressed clout in describing their days. What mm. I like about this, by the way, is it's not as though they told leaders Talk about how much clout you have. Talk about that. What they did is they said to people, go ahead and write about what happened today. And then they use this linguistic software to make codes. Now, what I like Mm. about that a lot is it gives them a way to test impact in a non-self-reported way. It's not perfect. Mm. It's not Mm. to me. It's not as good as going to the followers and saying, how much did she or he inspire you today? That would be like Mm. a gold standard. I would say that this is like, Better than just asking them on a survey and using mm. this software lends an objectivity to it. If I so, could, if I wanted to mm. jump in and just challenge you on that as well, Dan. Um, so you mentioned this idea of asking the followers, and I believe that what's so important about what they're doing in this one is 
with as le- as a leader, you you need to have this kind of like when when Terence talks about the energy within, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. need to have this self confidence, which is as a leader, you could be in a situation where there is nothing wrong with what you're doing. But the individuals that you are leading, it's like trying to herd cats. You might be in a situation where you're doing what you're supposed to do, but the individuals are not responding. And I guess this kind of sounds a bit authoritarian, but they're not responding the way they're supposed to respond. And Mm. just to kind of crack that open a bit more, there's something very valuable about self-esteem. There's something very valuable about my confidence coming from within. And once I now start allowing individuals outside of that i'm kind of not a leader i'm kind of like Mm. a follower and this becomes the the i guess i'm not sure whether it's a paradox or a dichotomy or whether it's um counterintuitive but Mm. as a leader you're now in a position where you're leading other individuals because you've got the stuff but part of that stuff is humility where you now also at the same time need to be receptive to how your style is influencing those individuals and just me saying that sentence alone just gives mm-hmm. you a, it just provides us with an illustration as to why being a leader is so damn draining and exhausting like mm-hmm. you're you're very much operating from these points which they when they work together and there's harmony there it's fantastic but if just one of those drop it, it just really flushes out a lot of uh, a lot of your your stuff there. So before we transition into study two, Terence, was there anything else that you wanted to to add to this? And there might, there might not be, and we can just jump into study two. But if there is anything that you wanted to, I guess throw a throw a log onto this this uh, this fire that we're burning here. I, I think that the, my my final thoughts at this point is that the the paper also catalyzed for me the importance of questions. And this mm. idea of self with self with mm. self reflection comes questions and mm. it reminds me of um, Daniel Kahneman, the psychologist who said we're blind to our own blindness. And I think uh, you know for our listeners it would be well, what's the like, what questions do we want to be remembered for? Uh, what's the bravest question we can ask of ourselves and our teams? Um, so you know for the, for me I think this paper gives answers, but it also generates questions. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that I found really inspiring. Thank you. And you know, what's interesting about that Terrence, if we use the actual question that these researchers used, which is literally saying, can you write about some of your strengths as a leader, you know, here in yes. the morning before you go to work, that is something that listeners, you, I, we could do. It is so a self-affirmation. It's very practical. It's free. Uh, it take about 10 minutes. And well, it's not... Hold on, hold on, hold on Dad. <laughs> <laughs> we need to uh, have an offline, offline conversation about that. The, yes, and in, the, the free is the introductory offer. That's how you hook them in. <laughs> exactly. like, you hook them in with the... Uh, Try this. It's like when, yeah, when they tell you that this, oh, this amazing app is free and then you download and realize how many freaking <laughs> buy-ins there are. So, um, but yeah, speaking of questions... Um, so they got to a point where what they were able to uh, deduce is that by by writing about the positive aspects in terms of how you see yourself as a leader, this was now allowing you to channel your energy in a way that was a lot more efficient. 
And what they wanted to do in study two was to ask the question of, yo, listeners, just by the way, if you're hearing like loads of noises in the background, we're doing this over Zoom, yo. Like we're in three different parts of London. We're doing this over Zoom. We've got our lives going on in the background. I've got like calendar alerts popping up as well, but we, we're pressing on. We're pressing we have exactly on. six minutes and eight seconds as well. So like the whole thing has oh, to be compressed Oh well. yeah, let's ramp, yeah, let's ramp this up. Yeah, six minutes to go. Let's, let's, let's like uh let's yeah let's get this train, train no we're doing great so, though. we're doing we're, great so in, in the second study the question here because terence raises a question about the value of good questions the question here is can this model be applied to employees as well not just leaders so what they did is they got about 300 and something individuals who were leaders and employees and they grouped them into these categories they had control groups as well and what they wanted to see is with this model can we run it for employees so that they also get energized by their, well, they also get energized, but also realize how they could better use their energy. And I'm going to throw immediately to Dan, your listeners as well. We're about to start speaking at the speed of life. So oh, tune well, in now. <laughs> I think that what, the reason why this works quite well is in the second study, they had some leaders and some not. What they really found, if we just jump to the chase, is it only worked for leaders, And this might be because it's the leaders that identify so much with it that they are sort of on 24-7 and they are more likely to be depleted. And what they showed is they replicated the effects from study one, but only for the leaders. And specifically, Mm. they dropped this um, this depletion from about a, a 1.55 to a 1.35. So it's not a massive effect, but it was statistically mm. significant for leaders. When they went to the non-leaders, they found that the effect was not there. And then they even did a little side study where they said, well, maybe it was because the employees can't be leaders. So let's reframe the whole thing around being um, an employee. And they mm. tested that. And again, it did not work. And so... It- There's a lot of different takeaways that we could take from that, but what they would like you to think is that because leadership is so intertwined with self and identity, that's Mm. why writing about it and affirming yourself Mm. could produce it. There's a a challenge there. There's an opportunity there. Um, It just makes me reflect on the education systems that we have and, are we scaling a generation of courageous thinkers and doers who all self-identify as mm-hmm. leaders who own their future? Uh, and I think there's a there's an opportunity there for educators to to really think about this. You know, what are we doing with our kids to instill this sense that? You are the CEO of your own future. Mm, mm. I love nice. that. I love that concept, uh, Terence. This idea of like, like, edu- because this is something that does need to start from the ground. The, the energy, that's the that's the yeah. uh, the foundation of of, uh, of energy However, for your yeah. for your whole life. However, I would imagine that our listenership is not like four to 11 year olds. Like there's, there's like actual <laughs> adults out there who are like listening right now. And they're like, yeah, I feel, I feel drained. This sucks. And this is what I meant at the top where I was a bit like, I hope this lights a fire under the backside of everyone who's, who's not a leader, because what you're essentially doing at this point is this energy that you have, this life source, if we really want to like take it to a high level, you're giving your life source to organizations, to roles, to jobs, and you're not seeing a return on this. And there's several different ways in which you can work 
But all of those different ways are going to mean that you're giving your energy to something and you're not getting something back from it in terms Mm. of like, it's not necessarily replenishing you. You're being told what to do in your job and you're doing that. And what you're getting is your paycheck. Fantastic. You are getting paid and you could do whatever you want outside of your nine to five. However, Mm. what's happening with leaders is they're giving something to the job. And if they're able to harness it efficiently is giving something back to them in terms of like their life source. We're talking about purpose. Mm. We're talking about meaning. We're talking about identity. And on top of that, not only are they getting paid, they're getting paid more than you are. So, <laughs> yo, man, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I can, it's, uh, actually, it's, um, it reminds me of a lady. I, I, I met and interviewed a wonderful lady. She's uh, celebrated her 100th birthday this year, and she thrives on energy. She's born in 1920, um, but she's been a learner, not a knower all her life. And, um, you know, at the age of 83, she went to study English literature she then did a master's. She was twice as old as the professor. Wow. wow. And at that age of 100, she had a family meeting and announced she wanted to do a, a parachute jump. And she's the embodiment of this, this idea of how to manage energy from, you know, throughout your life. And I, I think for our listeners, for leaders in particular, create emotionally charged milestones and map those mm. in, a, in, a, in a deliberate way throughout the organization, celebrating them. Uh, measuring them, capturing those, that value. Is that really energy breeds yeah. energy? We're yeah. down to, we're down yeah. to like, we're down to like 50 seconds in Zoom. Well, I wanted, like, yeah. Let me, yeah, yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, please, a, um, thank you. I wanted to say thank you, um, Terrence, because, oh, you know, uh, f- yeah, for those who don't know Terrence, you know, he's writing in Forbes and The Economist and he's described as Thinkers 50, this is a quote, an influential, <laughs> outspoken expert on the future of leadership, <laughs> which I love. Oh, and I just, oh. I, I really appreciate you giving us some of your time and reading this article. Oh, I'd and love to. Give, yeah. We, we, I, we need, actually, I think the, the key takeaway for me is we need more time. Uh, and actually, th- this, is a theme, this, is, this is such an important theme right now because of uh, the tsunami of change that we're facing uh, and, and some major challenges throughout the world. So I think this, this, uh, this theme of energy, how we breed it, how we scale it in school. Yo, listeners, so Zoom booted us out. It happens, right? So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got you got the best of us. You got the best of us. And thank you very much for rocking with us. You can tell from our energy, we've had a great time on this chat. And we hope that the insights and the orange squeezing has been useful for yourselves as well. Uh, Terrence, any final words or goodbyes? I've loved squeezing the orange with you guys. And uh, the, the final message for our listeners is is really... You know, make sure that every day you're practicing daily courage and, you know, energy is a non-negotiable. So think about how you're scaling, scaling that for yourself, for your team, for your organization. Thank you very much, Terrence. I think the last thing that I would say um, are these interventions that almost seem too good to be true. Um, that's what science is so good for. It seems almost implausible that you could take 10, 15 minutes in the morning and just write about a strength that you really value that you're going to take into the workplace that day. And on those days, have more energy, be less depleted, be more engaged and create greater clout, greater impact at work. And I think that that's a really powerful story that those listeners can even try out. And I even love just ending with the idea that squeezing the orange is all about this. At least for me, it's all about looking at these almost counterintuitive findings, but that when you do carefully designed studies with random assignment 
really good methodologies, we learn that we can get more out of ourselves than perhaps we would have otherwise. So if you like this episode or any of these episodes, I hope that you send it to somebody you love. <laughs> Thank you very much, <laughs> listeners. Enjoy Take your care. lives. Ciao. Ciao.